episode of The Baked Bear 21. That's our episode. And more importantly, much more importantly, we have a new captain. It is the redoubtable Brad Marchand. Yes, the Nova Scotian wonder. Uh, I'm actually only recording a couple hours after the news was announced, so it's a little fun and fresh, so it's going to take up a whole lot of this episode. Uh, But also, I'm going to talk out a bunch of the fan reaction to the Centennial jerseys. Always interesting when things like that uh, really take over uh, the fan base for a bit. A little bit on the prospects challenge, spitting chiclets, Babcock nonsense, and how hopefully it's all done. Uh, Two check-ins this week, actually, and my high take and my haiku will all honor our new captain. So let's go. I am Jay Pike. The Baked Bear is presented in partnership with the Cyclone Sports Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at my underscore Bruins, the pod at the Baked Bear Pod. Uh, and I'll only be on Twitter as long as it's free. If Elon the imbecile tries to charge me uh, to be on Twitter, that's going to be about it. Uh, So I will be on Instagram and threads as well at my underscore Bruins underscore. And the pod is on uh, Instagram and threads as well at the Baked Bear pod. You could always email me bakedbearpod at gmail.com. Always love to hear what people are thinking and feeling so we can talk it out. Uh, Please don't forget to leave a rating and a review if you'd be so kind. Follow, subscribe on whichever platform you get your favorite pods. If you hear anything weird going on with my mic, that's just because my cat is bumping his head into it. Yeah, right there. That was him. Thanks, Maverick. Really appreciate your help, bud. Uh, Quick hits today. Got to start, of course, with Brad Marchant being our Boston Bruins captain. Man... Uh, I'm I'm so happy. Uh, I loved the video they put out. Uh, I honestly I thought like when it starts and there's the dude there and he's he's starting to sew on the cat the C right like it's building. I was like, oh damn, that's Bergie. I thought it was Bergie sewing on the C. I was just completely geeking out. Uh, of course, it wasn't him sewing on the C. Of course, uh, but uh, I thought for a second, thank you, Maverick, that that was going to be. Uh, Something interesting, but regardless, the video is just super cool. Brad looks so proud to be wearing that C on his chest. He really does, and I I think he is. Um, They also released a small clip of uh, Brad talking about how he got the news that he was going to uh, be the Bruins' new captain. Uh, He said he was invited out to dinner with Monty, Neely, and Sweeney. Um, And, you know, Brad's not a stupid guy. I think he uh, he seemed to understand why would they be taking me out if it wasn't for this thing. Um, he said there was like small talk, and you could tell like he he was nervous, right? He's like, okay, let's let's get on with this, guys. What are we doing here? You know, because that's what he's thinking that this is about, and he's excited for it. And I just love that, right? The idea of these guys, someone being nervous when you've played the game of hockey at the level that Brad Marchand has, the idea of being nervous in a moment like that. I just love it, right? I love the humanity. Um, but why why is he nervous? Because he wanted it, right? He says that right in the, uh, the little clip they showed, that he wanted it, right? And I love that. He wanted that opportunity. So anyway, they got to it and told him, and obviously he's very proud. Uh, to wear that C, but it's it's that love, it, wanting the C, wanting the opportunity, wanting uh, that responsibility that I just really love out of it because that's what you you want out of your captain, right? I think uh, for the Marchand haters, man, it's just L after L after L, L's on L's on L's. So uh, a whole bunch more to come on. Captain, my captain, Captain Marchand. Uh, 
with one of my check-ins, uh, my high take and my haiku, all Brad Marchand themed, and they're all coming up in just a little bit. I'm sure you saw all kinds of clips and stories and photos and takes and whatnot from the uh, the Prospects Challenge. It's come and gone now. Uh, it's not something I worry too much about or pay all that much attention to. Uh, but for me, it's like the unofficial starting gun for the new season, right? It's like the soft open of the new season. Here's, you know, the guys who uh, we hope are going to become NHL players over the next few years. And we're going to let them uh, play around a little bit. And it's just kind of like that for me. It's like, ah, here we come. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like the first few leaves changing in the fall. I guess that's what the prospects challenge is for me. But I do like being on Twitter and, and the stories that people are out there, you know, because a lot of the folks right on Twitter, these guys with these awesome podcasts and women and girls with these awesome podcasts uh, out there, at the prospects challenge uh giving us that coverage so you kind of get uh, a little bit of insight into it and it doesn't sound to me from what uh i l- was listening to that it sounds like any of the the people uh, the guys at the uh prospects challenge doesn't sound like any of them are necessarily going to crack the lineup this year but i loved the positive things that we were hearing about uh matthew poitra um Considering our need for center depth and talent, if uh, Poitra can be something, that's a huge you know relief to the team, right? We he's clearly developing. He's got a way with the puck, man. You know, it's just uh, he's got that growing, maybe more strength, a little bit of that. But he clearly seemed to shine over the weekend. I love that. I'm sure he's going back to the O this year, uh, but I think he's one of those guys that said he's going to make it as hard as he can for the Bruins to. Uh, to send him back because it's the O or it's Boston for him this year. I'm not the guy to ask about the contracts and how they work, uh, but I guess for him, that's it. There's no AHL. He either plays for the Bruins or plays in the O this year. Why is that? Don't know, but that's the way it is. So Poitras for me is a little bit more of 24-25. I think, uh, you know, we might get a real chance to see him uh, in Boston, but we'll have to wait and see. At worst, he's definitely uh, with the P's in Providence for sure. Uh, next year, of course, but that's uh, just good to hear development coming along. Beecher seemed to get some love. Merkulov, who I'm very excited for, uh, he seemed to get some love as well. But again, doesn't sound like either of them are necessarily ready for uh, the big time right now. We'll have to see. Lorai and Liesel, a couple of guys we're all kind of excited for. They seem to get some mixed reviews, which was uh, definitely a little disappointing, but that can happen sometimes. You never know, you know, what a guy's got going on and uh, things like that that can make even just a, a light weekend like this a little uh, a little less uh, exciting for them, I guess. But uh, Liesel, I you wonder how much he gives a shit about things like this, right? Like, he seems like a guy, like, he, he wants... He, he wants to play in the NHL, and I don't know. I'll have to see with the lowered motivation. Maybe he's just not showing off. Don't know. But uh, we definitely got a big couple of years coming for our prospects. So uh, I'm definitely excited for that. Hopefully you are as well. NFL Week 2 is come and gone. And my commanders for the first time in 12 years. 2-0. and Yes. 2-0. and This is... I'm like in Super Bowl bliss right now with that game this week. You you just, again, any of my commanders uh, guys out there like DJ on Twitter, you know what it's been like, you know. And, and now we're going after 3-0. and 
It would be the first time since 2005 if we can go 3-0. and Oh, sweet Jesus, it's nice to... Uh, and be able to talk about football and not have to, uh, as Kevin Sheehan, who covers the uh, the Commanders, puts it, uh, suspending reality. We had to suspend reality for like 25 years and talk about football, but always knowing in the back of our heads that it didn't matter. The owner was going to screw it up. Not anymore. Sam Howell, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, we got some fun stuff going on, but we got the Bills this week. That's going to be a toughie. Uh, two and one's fine with me, man. This two and zero, oh, I'm going to ride this for a while. So. Uh, Hopefully 3-0 coming. Hope your uh, your team did well this week in the NFL. Unless, of course, your team's in the NFC East or is the Patriots, because in that case, well, yeah, fuck you, but uh, all right. Uh, speaking of exactly that, I suppose, Spit and Chicklets, I guess they're just being themselves at this point with their reaction to the Badcock re-signing. Like, you guys could use a little bit of act like you've been there before, I guess. I don't know. Maybe this is just uh, what they're what you got to do to bring in the content and the clicks. But uh, I enjoy many of their interviews. Hell, I did a whole thing on the uh, the interview they had with Tuka Rask. I did the, my entire uh, talk it out last week was all about that. I love when they interview players and coaches. I think they ask really good questions. I think, you know, they're, they're, the things they're interested in, the things they ask about, always seem to match with what I want to know, right? But now... It's just like this is the side of them that I, I don't need. Biz, you know, threatening to sodomize anyone who, you know, wasn't siding with them. Uh, like, grow the fuck up, man. You know, act like you've been there before. That's kind of always where I come back to. But whatever. Babcock's gone. I can ignore spitting chicklets until you know, the next time they interview somebody that, uh, that I want to hear about. But uh, hopefully that's just the nail in the coffin on that whole thing. I don't know if you had a chance to... Uh, Tune into the Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor this week. Little interview with Shattenkirk. Um, I, it wasn't a lot to it, I didn't think, but I, I thought he sounded like a solid dude. And I like, you can hear it when you listen to guys and you can hear when they're excited to be coming to your city to play for your team. Like When it seems to mean something to them. Um, you know, Shattenkirk sounded like a Bruin to me, right? And that's just how some guys come off and it sounded like you know it could have been a place he would have wanted to come for a while so uh i'm excited for shattenkirk i think it's just going to be some steady defense no cliffy hockey craziness um so we'll see how that works out but a nice little interview sounds like a boston guy and here he is a bruin no updates on ahsoka i'm still not caught up so i'm not even going to bother you with it again until i am caught up all right that's on me uh, if you're on Twitter, go find Born Bruin Media. Uh, if you don't follow him already, uh, he's at Born Bruin 77. God, I hope. I think that's right. Give me a second. I'm going to double check it. But while I do that, um, he's already got some awesome stuff up uh, on his Twitter. Go in, of course, links to his uh, shop with uh, Brad Marchand and the captain. I, and it's really cool stuff. Honestly, I'm not going to uh, spoil it for you because my reaction to it was unexpected and it gave me a good laugh and it got me all pumped up. So do, do the same for yourself. Go find Born Bruin Media. I have confirmed it at Born Bruin 77 on Twitter. Uh, go check it out. I really don't think you're going to be disappointed in it. With the... Weather, you know, turning colder and school starting up. Uh, I'll be consuming my cannabis in some ways that don't, you know, have me out in the cold and don't make me smell as much. Uh, you know, with 
the smoke and stuff. So, you know, you got to teach the kids. You can't be stinking like smoke. You just can't be, man. So uh, I may not have as many strain recommendations coming up, but when I have one, uh, I will absolutely drop it in right away. I can promise you that. Uh, This week, though, I'll just give a little shout out to the folks at Vape Breton. It is a Cape Breton, Nova Scotia-based cannabis company. Uh, and they seem to work exclusively uh, with vapes and really great products. I like buying local, of course, and uh, their Grape Breton is it a, an indica vape they have. Uh, it's yummy, and man, you sleep like a baby with that, so it's a perfect uh, end-of-day thing. So if you uh, if you do any vaping with your cannabis and you ever see something by Vape Breton, uh, it definitely got the uh, Big Bear stamp of approval. And this is going to lead us right into this week's high take. Brad Marchand is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Let him finish! Brad Marchand is the patron saint of guys who maybe don't have the physical gifts of a superstar, but they have the heart, the work ethic, the drive, the compete to become superstars. Uh, Marchand was never meant to be more than like a bottom six spark plug guy, right? His NHL bio says, Brad Marchand has been described as chirpy, antagonistic, indomitable, and irritating. Love it. All of it is true. All of it's amazing. But where's the tough, the talented, the quick, the intelligent, and the loyal? Now, I, by the way, I am calling this a high take, but for me, this is a common sense take. But I also seem to understand common sense more when I'm high, so maybe there's a connection there. Uh, Brad's career arc, man, is going to be a movie someday. Fuck Rudy. I want Marshy. That's the movie I want right there. Uh, you know, he was a guy who, got once he got his chance, he made it impossible for the team to cut him. Spent his first four or five seasons growing his game, you know, agitator fourth line and just kept showing his scoring ability. Started moving up a little bit. Went from pest to legitimate superstar. An elite hockey player. And now a leader worthy of wearing the C for our beloved Boston Bruins, the C for an original six hockey team. That that doesn't come. You you earn that shit, and Brad earned that shit. From 2015 to 2016 uh, through 21-22, Brad Marchand scored 235 goals, 332 assists. That's 567 points. Over that period, that is the fifth best point total. He is behind only... Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, and Artemi Panarin. Oh, and he played fewer games than Kane, Dreisaitl, and Panarin. Oh, oh, and his plus 146 over that time is the best of any forward, and only Panarin is even close at a plus 134. Everyone else is under plus 100. He's lapping most of the superstars. Shout out to Panarin, by the way, just quickly. Like, I never would have put his name in here as well in the same way that a lot of fans wouldn't have put uh, Marchand's name in a situation in a a time like that when it comes to points and plus minus. So, shout out Panarin. Obviously, I owe you uh, more respect than I give, I think. But for a little more reference to that, here are some of the names who weren't up to Marchand's level during this time. Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov. Johnny Gaudreau, Tavares, obviously, and Alexander Ovechkin. All of them well behind our guy. 
And during this time in Brad's career, right, he not only learned to score at that elite level, learned how to lead at an elite level. And now he's the captain of my Boston Bruins, of our Boston Bruins. Brad Marchand is a Hall of Fame first ballot lock. And in honor of Brad Marchand being a Hall of Fame first ballot lock, I give you the Baked Bears haiku. 71st pick. Fighter, liquor, then leader. Our new captain. Now, as I said for my... uh, check-in i've actually got two of them today uh check-in number one going back to episodes 15 and 19 please don't fact check me on that but i'm pretty sure those were the episodes i said that i believe brad marchand will be the next captain of the boston bruins i wanted him i thought he deserved to be the next captain of the boston bruins so i'm just straight up taking a victory lap with this check-in i really never thought this was up for debate I think Marchand was the heir apparent after Bergeron retired. I think Bergeron would have immediately recommended Marchand for the, for the role. And I think he would have meant it. You know, I, I understood the arguments about guys like Mac and Pasta. And I think one of them in uh, two or three years will be the captain. But honestly, I just never really doubted that it would be brad i think his career trajectory has been unlike any other he's grown from that guy fighting and pesting to desperately stay in the nhl to one of the best two-way players in the game including being one of the top point getters in the nhl over those uh years i pointed out like he's just a legit leader i'm not sure i would have thought this was going to happen you know back in 2007 when uh you know we first drafted him but I'm sorry, over the last five years, it's become more and more obvious. I mean, he's just a leader now. Not just a leader, but the man's a leader. And he's a graduate of the Zdena Chara School of Hard Knocks, and he's got a master's in leadership from the Patrice Bergeron Leadership Academy for fucking legends. Brad deserves it. I said it, and he got it. So uh, I'm very excited. A very good take by me and... uh, I love how the haters, they're just going to be so sour that, you know, Marchand got this honor, but the man fucking deserves it. Check in number two. Uh, This is going back to a tweet of mine from June 3rd, uh, just a little over three months ago. And it was when the news started leaking that the Blue Jackets uh, were going to hire Mike Babcock. And I replied to, uh, you know, somebody who had put out the news about it with uh, the classic Joe Bluth gif where he's saying, I've made a huge mistake. And I said that's what uh, Kikalainen would be saying in a year. Well, turns out it was only about three and a half months. But I nailed that one as well. So it's just victory laps uh, today. It's just the good fucking vibes, man, from Brad Brad Marchand being named the captain. So I just, you know, I think all of us, and again, this isn't like, I'm the only one who gets this victory lap. Uh, Babcock wasn't changing. Blue Jackets, too young. He wasn't going to, it didn't work. So, uh, you know, again, hopefully this is the very end of ever me needing to talk about uh, Mike Babcock again, but I could not do it without getting my victory lap in. And now, like DMX said many times, I think something new. I'm here. You got Q's. I got A's. Did you say you've got AIDS? 
No, I don't have AIDS. It's not what I said. Next question. Yes, I'm separating my Q's and A's from my uh, talking it out. So, uh, only got the one Q to give an A to this week. Uh, my guy Mark Allred, of course you know him, at Black and Gold 277 He got at me and he said, I love the goalie talk, as you know. Who doesn't, Mark? We all love a goalie talk. Uh, he said, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the idea of Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman repeating as William Jennings Trophy winners. Both are going to be heavily relied on in the upcoming transition year. And then he said, something nice. Keep up the amazing work, bud. Hope you're good. I am all good, Mark. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, just doing what I do, and I appreciate the support. Um, as for your question... I see no reason Linus and Jeremy can't repeat as Jennings winners. Our defense, we, we lost Connor Clifton. Fair enough. We replaced him with Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, it's not like a lateral move. I mean, you know, I mean, Clifton maybe has more upside, but Shattenkirk, you know, won't have those cliffy hockey moments, as I, I mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, we do still have Derek Forbert. Hopefully that's a for now situation, but even with Forbert, our D is stout as fuck, especially our top four, Mac and Grizz, Lindholm and Carlo. Like, those four, that's your heavy lifting. Uh, the bottom pair needs to be steady. That's how I see Shattenkirk. Uh, hopefully, Forbert, you know, figures it a little more out this year, his last year with the Bruins. Uh, but we'll have to see. Maybe one of the young guys, you know, does kind of, you know, get in there and help uh, solidify that bottom pair a little bit more. But... When I look at our defense and then I look at our two goalies who are both elite goaltenders, I don't see a reason they can't, you know, repeat as the Jennings Trophy winners. I just don't see it. Like, they may not get the goal support that they got last year, but they're going to get the defensive support. And that means they should still be able to excel at what they do, right? We've got two of the best goalies in hockey playing as a tandem, playing as a team, lovers, not lovers, you know, with quotation marks, lovers, but they love and they support each other. And they're two guys who both want the same thing, but they share it. It's it's beautiful. And I mean, maybe they won't win the Jennings Trophy. I think that's a difficult thing to do back-to-back -back years. But there's no reason they can't. And if they don't, I still believe they're going to be in the conversation for it most of the year. Like, I'm confident in that. So the long and the short of it is Jennings Trophy or no Jennings Trophy repeat, I still think that they're going to be the backbone of the team. I still think both of them are going to uh, play how we know they can. And I think we're going to have our elite goaltending again this year. Uh, but that doesn't mean somebody else can't, you know, get in there and, and sneak out the win for a trophy like this. That's hockey. But uh, thanks for the question, Mark. We're going to have great goalies again this year, man. That's all that matters to me. All right, for uh, talking it out this week, I'm going to get into those Centennial jerseys. And uh, I know I said I was going to talk about the historic 100 that uh, came out last week. I was going to talk about it this week. But with the jersey reaction and then Marchand getting the C on his chest this morning, I'm just, I'm pivoting. Simple as that. I'll get back to the historic 100 probably next week right before we start really uh, previewing the season. I mean, that's that's what's coming up. That's what's coming just uh, let's get excited. Um, anyway, the the reaction to the the Bruins releasing their three special jerseys for honoring the centennial season, 
that was largely negative you know and oftentimes very vitriolic it was a uh, quite a reaction it reminded me of something it reminded me of when my washington redskins slash football team changed its brand to the washington commanders so obviously the Bruins announcing jerseys for one year is not the same as a team completely rebranding itself. But the reactions from the fan bases were super similar to me. Um, so, I mean, everyone knew when Washington, because it was the Washington football team, right? There was We were the Washington Redskins, and then it was announced, look, we're going to take two years, we're going to build a new brand, and we're going to relaunch. So for two years, we were the, the football team. Fine. Looked basically exactly how the Redskins looked. And then we had two years. That's a long time for fans to get attached to the ideas that they'd see and hear from people online. A long time for fans to get attached to certain name ideas, certain brand designs, mascots, and the jersey designs. And let me say, like, just like with the Bruins and the, the jerseys, there were some awesome designs by fans out there. And they got all over the place. Some of them I loved, some of them I liked. You know, that's how it's going to be. But there were, it was, there was so much stuff out there. And there were, there were these ones that fans really got attached to, especially with anything that was calling uh, the teams the Red Wolves. There was a, a portion of the fan base that desperately wanted that name. And from that, fans began to think that because there was such a big Twitter push for the name, and a Twitter push for some of the jersey designs that some of the fans have put together. That this meant the team was going to do exactly that. So, when the team, in what was a truly terrible rollout, announces that the name is the Washington Commanders, a name that nobody wanted, they were <laughs> was the name at the bottom of my list of all the names that were rumored, because it was just too basic for me. But that ended up being... One of the reasons they went with it, unfortunately. And then they unveiled the jerseys, which don't really look anything like, you know, the jerseys that my beloved Redskins had, you know, when I was growing up. So that's how it goes. But some fans broke down. I'm talking hysterics. And it was like these these fans had decided that they wanted something in particular. And so when they didn't get it, they were unhappy. And it's these self-imposed expectations that we put on others that will be killers. Like we put expectations on these teams, these organizations, which are here to make money. We need to remember this. So this is where their decisions are going to come from. And of course, in Washington, there was the Dan Snyder of it all, um, which, of course, many of us were able to understand because you know, because of Dan, we knew they were going to fuck up the rebrand and they did in a lot of ways, regardless of that. The fan reaction, you know, didn't care so much about that. Um, you know, in Washington, when they showed the jerseys, they put them on these terrible looking mannequins, super boring. It was poor lighting, wasn't exciting. The burgundy looked like red, especially on the white jersey. And there was a black third jersey, and black is not a Washington football color, so a lot of fans just straight unhappy. I, for one, wasn't a huge fan at first. Um, still the white one. Never, I, I really haven't come around to it. There's just some of the little things they did on it with uh, the way they did the numbers. It's not a solid color. It's got these, uh, I don't know, it's almost like it's fading in and out kind of thing. I think... Uh, 
the LA Rams have something similar on one of their jerseys. I'm just not a, I'm really not a big fan of it. Um, it is what it is. But the rollout caused a lot of the problems. The rollout became one of the reasons that we had negative feelings towards the jerseys. Because once they got on the field and I was able to see them on TV, I was like, all right, shit. No, these aren't bad jerseys. Like, I can't sit here and say these are bad jerseys. I don't love them, but they're not bad. I do really like, and it is the one that I have for the Commanders, is is our burgundy jersey. It's pretty sharp. It's got some of that fading in and out and stuff that I really hope that they uh, they get away from, but I'm a fan. And once they look good on the field, then I don't care. It's my guys. They're playing. I'm good. So that whole saga should sound pretty familiar considering how Bruins fans have been reacting and what uh, they've been going through uh, for the last week or so. Uh, when the leak first got out on Twitter, I I was like, oh, okay. But it, this was the digital design leak, right? This wasn't the jerseys, and I was very underwhelmed by it. I was like, man, there's parts of this I'm loving and parts I'm not. But I had been through this before, right? I had seen all of these ideas. I had I had gone through, oh, this is how it looks. But no, not really. So I was trying to hold back my judgment on them. And then we got the fashion show and I started to warm up a little bit. I thought Marchand looked awesome. Like the third jersey, there's no fight in that. That's a dope fucking jersey. The 1924 on the logo is an interesting choice. But again, for this year, I am fully into it. If they were to keep that kind of jersey for a third jersey uh, going forward, which isn't a bad idea, I would take the 1924 off, keep the rest. Um, I thought the white jersey looked sharp. The black one is the one that I've had the hardest time with. And it's mostly because that the bottom, you get the black and then Carlo was wearing black pants. So it really made the jersey like you lost the bottom of the jersey on him. And it kind of looked like it was short kind of jersey. Like it didn't fit him quite right. Um, and it threw me off a little bit. Uh, the logos looked I really liked the logos right away, um, you know, but we weren't getting proper images of them, I didn't think. And the reaction of the fans just kept getting worse. And I was, you know, waiting. I was like, hold on, hold on. And then we started getting better pro shop photos. But even better than that, we got fans who were in the pro shop and they were taking pictures and they had good lighting. People who understood that there were fans out there, I think, that were saying, look, I don't like these what's going on and they were trying and these fans are like these they, they don't look how you think they look they're actually not bad and there were some great twitter peeps who kind of had their own little fashion shows and i'm not going to apologize for thinking these jerseys looked really good on these folks they really did the gold made more sense right you're getting the proper lighting you're seeing it uh the plethora of stripes on the sleeves didn't seem quite as out of place as maybe they did before uh but I think the internet and social media, like they've made reveals like this so much harder on teams, on businesses. But even more importantly, it's harder on the fans because we build our own expectations, right? We don't get anything from the team. So what are we left to do in a vacuum in social media? What are people going to do? They're going to do their own thing. They're going to make their own assumptions. They're going to create their own stuff. They're going to build their own hype. And these expectations go up and up because you start seeing things from people that you're like, yes, that's what it needs to be. But this this fan on 
Twitter doesn't work for the Bruins, right? And you just get this like snakes on a plane situation because the hype has gotten up there too much. Now, this is the fans, not the team creating the hype, but the team in a way creates it by not letting us into the process. And I, I'm not saying I want into the process, but I wonder if it wouldn't make our fans' lives a little easier if there was the process and then you may not get as much of the negativity coming out of it because people, their expectations would be guided by the team that's putting out the things. I don't know. I mean, that's probably giving the fans too much uh, power there, but it would help with these because reactions, people are ready to react negatively because they have this image in their head of what they want, of what they've seen it could be. And that's what I've heard a lot of people say. Oh, what could have been, what could have been, what could have, yeah. That's that's everything though, right? You know, so many times it's, oh man, what could have been if we had beaten Florida in the first round, right? Like there's lots of could have beens and, and we have the assumptions on what it should have been, but those are ours, right? They're, we've, we've done this to ourselves. We build these things up in our head. We get stuck on an idea or two um, and that's what we want. So when then what happens when you don't get what you want? Tantrums. Actually, that... That's what Elon, that imbecile, should have rebranded Twitter to. Tantrum. I think that would have made a lot more than X or... No, no. Does he think... Anyway, fuck. I'm not talking about Elon. Um, But I think the power of expectations and hopes can't be denied. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that you have to like these jerseys. You don't have to like them. Not at all. Me, from 95 to 2006, the Bruins wore three of their worst fucking jerseys in franchise history, in my opinion. I hated them. I do not own any of the jerseys from that time. I don't want any of the jerseys from that time because they're ugly as sin. And these are the jerseys that introduced us to Krejci and Marchand and Bergeron. Like, this, Ray Bork wore that jersey. I don't fucking care. It was so ugly. And then, and then the third jersey during that time was the Pooh Bear. I hate the Pooh Bear. It's so just, it's just ugly as hell, right? And then they brought it back last year. So guess what? I didn't buy the Pooh Bear jersey. It's not for me, right? Give me meth or give me death. That's not a great slogan. I won't use that in my classroom, but... It wasn't for me. So for nearly 20 years, my Bruins wore jerseys that I genuinely hated, right? So if you hate them, hate them. Totally cool. But I'm just begging fans to not, don't base your reaction on the first thing you see. Don't base your reaction on comparatives to things you've seen on the internet that friends of yours may have made. I hated last year's Winter Classic jersey when I first saw it. And do you know why? It's because I wanted it to look exactly how the leaked one looked. The leaked one looked super similar, but it had some white stripes. Then when the picture came out of the real one they were going to wear, those stripes were gone. And I hated it. I was so disappointed. Right? But that was... That's my own thing. I'm like, ah, oh, they didn't do the stripes how I wanted. And guess what? We're going through that exact same thing again. But then I saw them on the ice, saw the guys in them for their photo shoots, and I love them. And I've I've got a beautiful one now, and I never planned on buying one of those. And I just, I'm the guy who just said, give me meth or give me death. And still, I 
I wasn't going to buy one, even though it had the meth bear right there in the middle. But in the end, that was just my own, you know, I, I was denying myself, I suppose. I had expectations. They weren't met. And anyway, for me, it's worked out beautifully. Now, it's still not with the Pooh Bear. Keep your fucking Pooh Bear away from me. Now, I think a lot of Bruins fans really wanted like that 81 to 95 look for the jerseys. Hell no, I, I know I did. And we did kind of get that, right? Obviously, they went a bit further. It's the centennial season. So they're trying to, I think, make them look a little different than what an everyday we're going to wear this jersey for the next 10, 12 years kind of look would have been. And we're going to see these on the ice in action soon. So I'm going to be very curious to see how the fan mood towards the jerseys changes or doesn't. Once you got, you know, Marchand out there forechecking wearing these jerseys, you've got Linus backstopping how he does, you know, getting hit in that gold bee. I'm just curious. Fans are going to change it all. And I'm going to expand a little bit on uh, Thomas on the Short Shift podcast. He brought up that these jerseys are for one year, right? And he's thinking that next year, like that might be the look the Bruins go for is that 81 to 95 um, kind of look. And I think that is the plan. I'm going to take it a step further. I think they know that's what their plan is. I think these jerseys in a way are foreshadowing the next era of jerseys, right? But they're foreshadowing because it's the centennial season. So they did the whole, uh, you know, six gold stripes for six Stanley Cups thing. But after we win number seven this year, then what, right? That that jersey right away is dated. You're just going to keep adding stripes all the way down. I don't know, like college football where they put the stickers on the helmets or something. Obviously, they're not going to do that. But I think they take that kind of design. They simplify the stripes maybe put something around the collar a little bit next thing you know and i'm assuming of course they will they will shift more to the you know the bruins gold instead of the metallic gold uh as well going forward right i think that kind of gold look is for this one season so that foreshadowing it's just a theory i've got but it is what i'm feeling uh maybe that's just my hopes and dreams and there's so much time for these hopes and dreams to get just changed or crushed so i'm gonna keep the open mind i'm not gonna get locked into that because for all i know they're gonna come back next year with something completely different i really doubt they're going back to what we had for like the last 15 years much as i absolutely adored those jerseys they were always clean always good we had a lot of good third jerseys uh over the last 15 years or so, I do think it things are changing, right? This new generation, new era coming. So I do think they're going to go with uh, new jerseys. But I've suffered already through 20 years of what I saw as like really ugly jerseys. And I'm just real at, ah, oh, damn, it wasn't 20 years. It was like 10 years, man. I'm so sorry. See? 10 years I suffered. It felt like 20 years. That's how ugly those jerseys were to me. But I suffered through 10 years, or maybe it was more like 11 or 12, really, of just what I thought were just ugly jerseys. It happens, right? The guys in the jerseys are who I cheer for. They got the spoked B on their chest. That's what I'm cheering for. If they, you know, next year they come out with jerseys that I'm like, hmm, I don't like that. Well, then I'm going to save a bunch of money, I guess, because shit's fucking expensive, right? So I have a, a small collection of what I think are timeless Bruins jerseys that I can wear about. I can wear to games. I can wear while watching games. I can wear 
while doing whatever the hell I want. So I'll always have those, you know. I, I don't know. Let's see what happens here. Let's get these jerseys and the guys on the ice, and then let's really see how we feel. Because a lot of people, their feelings might change, and they could also change both ways. So uh, time's going to come, but it's uh, fun when a jersey reveal, uh, you know, flips Bruins' uh, Twitter on its head. So I hope that made sense. Because that's going to do for this episode of The Baked Bear. As always, I've been Jay Pike. Find me on Twitter until Elon tries to charge me for it at my underscore Bruins. You can find the pod as well at The Baked Bear Pod. And don't be afraid to leave a rating and a review wherever you are finding your favorite pods. Later, taters. Go peace. Give me meth or give me death.